welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 16th of July 2017, entitled Great Faith. And the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 31. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. To the Gospel of Matthew chapter 15. I was trying to think of a title for these thoughts and the main thought to come out from what we're looking at this evening. I did think about titling it, just better believe it. Um, thought about titling it Prevailing Prayer, prayer that uh, that's going to truly accomplish that that we're praying for. But in the end, I decided to just take the title straight from the Scripture reading here this evening, and uh, maybe you'll figure that out as we're reading through it. Uh, in Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 21, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then, she, then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole that very hour. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh into the sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel." May the Lord richly add his blessing to the reading of his word. This evening I want to, it was Jesus that's speaking to this Seraphonician lady there in verse 28. And he said, O woman, great is thy faith, be it even as thou wilt. Great is thy faith. Just a few thoughts on, on great faith this evening. What is it? Because I'm absolutely convinced, as I, as I said earlier, uh, that this will be our last Sunday evening meeting until November the 12th when we will meet again on Sunday evening and pick up our regular schedule. And I thought about all these times because of the next three months that we will be away from you, and I thought, you know, what's the greatest thing in the world that I can do, that you can do, that we can do, that would keep the enemy at bay 
that would allow you to see God moving in your midst in a way that you know. It doesn't require any man. It's God is the one that, that's doing the work. And, of course, as we go into several churches a week trying to preach and be a blessing to them there, that we can, the, a difference can be made, not because of what we have to take to them, but because of what God would do through us. And, and it really comes back to this simple thing. I've shared the illustration with you before, even not too long ago, but I remind you because it had a, a big impact on my life, and that was, of course, there are very few men that have known more quote-unquote success in ministry than Charles Haddon Spurgeon. How God could take a young man, even while he was still, still literally a young lad, <laughs> and how that God could use him in such a way that so many people would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ under his ministry. Now, God's used many people, but I remember I've read as, as, as many biographies and things that I could get on Spurgeon as I could get my hands on over the years, and, and of course, by many, he was called the Prince of Preachers because of what God did with him. But you know, even in his day, he certainly was not without enemies. He was not without criticism by many, and many of those that criticized him the most were those that were looked upon as leaders in the religious world at that time. He never sought to be popular with man, and yet he preached to the multitudes. And he was asked one time a very simple question, Mr. Spurgeon, what do you accredit the success of your ministry to? And he said, let me show you. And he took them. And I, I, I've said before, I, I've got a picture up in my office of the Metropolitan Tabernacle in those days and Mr. Spurgeon standing there on the platform where he preached. But you notice that this platform came out in the midst of this huge auditorium that he stood upon. But beneath that, underneath the platform is where he took this one that asked him the question. And as he opened the door into that room, it's estimated that somewhere around 300-plus people were in that room praying the whole time he was on the platform preaching. He said, that's your answer. That's the power. That's why God moves, not because of who I am, but because of what God can do. I'm totally convinced that we totally lose so much out of this, this life and the effect is to forget what God can do simply because that we don't spend enough time praying. And I want to encourage you while that we are away that we're going to be praying earnestly for you back here. We're going to be praying for those that will be filling the pulpit. We're going to be praying for many of you that will be, that'll be stepping in and taking uh, responsibilities that you're not normally doing. And I want you praying for us because I'm not so naive nor foolish to think that we can accomplish anything in those churches except the hand of God do something through us. You see, one of the things that stands out here in this passage is that when God did this work that we see taking place here, that those that were looking on, they knew that it was God at work. We have many today, we're seeing here a situation where that First of all, this, 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 this young girl is, 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 is healed miraculously. And then we see where that literally many, the Bible says that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others were cast down at the feet of Jesus and he healed them. You see, 
I don't have the healing power in my hands that Jesus had. I don't have a special gift of healing that God gave to his apostles in those days to be able to do that. But the one thing that I do know is that the same God that did the healing then is the same God that can answer our prayers in whatever way, whether it be miraculous, we don't see enough whether it be physical healing, whether it be spiritual healing, whether it be a movement of God in our churches and our lives today, we don't see enough that can only be accredited to God. Too much of it can be accredited to man in our efforts and all the, the hard work that we put in and all of those things. I'm saying in our lives and in our churches, we need to see God moving in such a way that when others look on, they know that that had to be God. It wasn't the preacher. It wasn't the deacon. It wasn't this dedicated, committed Christian. Thank God for those that are faithful to the Lord. But we need. We need God moving in our midst in such a way that all the glory is His as we see here. Just a couple of simple thoughts. A couple of simple thoughts. What is it about this great faith? Because this was Jesus that spoken to this woman and said, Woman, great is thy faith. Too many today that think that faith is something that we feel. They think that faith is something that we can somehow work up and build up. Folks, faith is so simple. The Bible defines it as faith as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If we have any hope in this world, it's because that that is supported, that is based upon faith. That's the foundation of any hope that we have. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, that's the outworking of faith. <laughs> it's through faith that we can see the evidence of things that we can't see with our natural eyes. It's the working of that faith. It does us no good to pray if we don't believe that God is really going to answer. We're all guilty of that as Christians. It's kind of like when they were praying for Peter to be released from prison, and suddenly when he comes knocking on the door, they go and, you know, they don't believe it. You know, they're, they're scared to death. They close it back out. God had answered their prayer, but they weren't expecting him to. They didn't expect Peter to be there. He was locked up down there in prison. You see, why was this woman's... Faith considered to be great. What will great faith do in life? You see, just as faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's not some emotional thing that you work up. Folks, faith is believing God. Full stop. Believing that God will do what He says that He'll do. Believing that God is the one, the only one that can do this. You see, as we begin to look here, I want you to notice, first of all, that this begins, it says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil." Now, you find just a little while down, she cried unto him, and we find that just a little while later in the very next verse, but he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. 
she was crying unto the Lord Jesus Christ. But others noticed. Even those apostles, those that were with Jesus Christ, noticed, man, get rid of this woman because she's just crying after us all the time. You see, the first thing about a great faith is that it is a pleading faith. It is a faith that pleads to the one that we really believe in. We're praying to God. She's crying unto him. She knew exactly who he was. Now, it was Jesus, the first one, that came to this coast because Jesus is always where he needs to be. He's always there. He knew before he got there that this woman was going to be there. But this woman, she came pleading to the only one that could make a difference. You see, so many times we turn to God in prayer when it's our last resort, when we've done everything that we can do, when we've done it all and yet it's not. When we get desperate, then we turn to him. I'm saying that he ought to be the first one we go to. And we ought to be crying after him. The Bible teaches over and over again that we ought to be taking it to the Lord before we take it to, to anybody else. Lord, she said unto him, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. She knew who she was pleading with. She knew that he was the one. I'm saying to you that when you begin to pray this evening and you're praying with a great faith and you really want to see things done in your life that can only be accredited to God, don't be afraid to plead to him. Don't be afraid to cry to him. When was the last time that you really pleaded with God over the salvation of whether it's your, your children or your parents or those that you care? When was the last time that you got on your face before God and pleaded with God, cried out to God to, to save those souls? God can perform miraculous things, and certainly a physical miracle is a miraculous thing to see God do. There is no greater miracle than to see God take a wretched sinner and to save that life and to change that life and to, to create a new human being. God can do anything. But I'm saying if we're going to have the great faith that's going to accomplish things for His glory, it's going to begin with a faith that's willing to plead to the right person, the right, do we really believe? Because you see, you wouldn't be pleading with somebody and crying to somebody that you didn't really believe would make a difference. She's pleading to Jesus. She knows who Jesus is. Lord, thou son of David, you're the one that can make a difference in your prayers today. Do you plead with him because you know you know he's the one that can handle that for you. Maybe you're facing fears. Maybe you're facing challenges. Maybe you're facing difficulties. Maybe the people you love the most are lost and on their way to hell. Maybe there's things in your life that you just can't handle yourself. I'm saying, you want the Lord to look at you as he did this woman and say, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. yes. Great is your faith. I'm going to answer that prayer. I'm going to answer that plea. That's what he, this is what she was pleading for. That's exactly what he said that he was going to do for her. You see, she knew who the enemy was. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. I've said many times, and I'd repeat this evening. You see, one of Satan's greatest tricks in the church even is to drive those wedges, to break that unity. He gets you thinking, he don't care if it's true. 
If he can get you thinking less of somebody or thinking evil of somebody or thinking anything that's not going to bring glory to him, why does he tell us, if you allow my own little paraphrase, why does he tell us that if what's coming out of our mouths isn't going to be that which is going to encourage, which is going to build up, which is going to help to keep our mouths shut? So many times it's all the complaints, but we find that in reality it ought to be that which is coming out of our mouth we ought to realize and, and recognize that it is the enemy. He's the one that we ought to be against. He's the one that we ought to be upset with. If he's using somebody else, then have pity upon that person. Have compassion upon that person. Pray for that person. We find that Satan affects our lives in many ways. There's a lot of people today that they see a, a devil possessing somebody under every stone because it's easier sometimes to say it's all the devil's fault. <laughs> It's all him. In fact, Satan can have phenomenal effects on our lives. The Bible teaches us that. I do believe this with all my heart. And I believe that we can take the principles of the Word of God and back it up and support it. I do not believe for a moment that if you've got the blood of Jesus in your life, if you've truly been washed in the blood, if you've truly been born again, then I don't think there's a devil or a demon in the universe that is able to take possession of you. They can't get through the blood of Jesus. Grasp that and understand that. Oh, the devil may oppress you. He may be able to bother you. He may be able to, to bring these pressures upon you. He may even be able to bring depression down your life because he's getting you to, to worry about this or to get upset about that. Believe me, he's good at his job. But he does not have control of your life as a believer. He's the enemy, but the victory is yours in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe that when you go to the Lord and you know that the devil's the one? She knew that the problem with her daughter ultimately was with the enemy, the devil himself. Do we realize that? Do we really believe when we go pleading to the Lord Jesus Christ do we really know that he is the one? He is the victorious one. We know that when he's in our lives, we don't have to fear the devil. We do need to fight him. We need to stand against him. But we don't have to fear him. I'm saying this evening, do we want to be recognized for a great faith like this woman? I believe that a great faith can be seen in a pleading faith that pleads to him that stays on their face before God, that's crying to God when even those around know, man, oh man, enough of that praying, enough of that calling out to the Lord. Don't you realize you've, you've prayed that one time? God already knows the answer now. Then we keep praying. We keep pleading. Have the faith to know that he's there. Have the faith to know that the victory. I don't always know when and how and why the things go, but... Not only does our faith need to be a pleading faith, it needs to be a persisting faith. Not just something that we build up and work up for a day, but one that goes on. You see, it's interesting here. Jesus came to this place. And as he gets to this coast and he's there, here's this woman that comes up to him, and immediately she begins to cry out to him, to plead with him to do something for her. What does verse 23 say? But he answered her, not a word. You ever feel like your prayer's not getting past the ceiling? <laughs> you ever feel like you're praying and God's just not answering? God's not saying anything back. Hey, this woman went to the Lord. 
And she was pleading for the Lord to do this work, and yet he answered her not a word. Why would the Lord do that? Why would he not answer her back? Why would he not? He's got the power. Why would he not answer her prayer immediately? Well, he doesn't tell us, but I think that we can learn a lot from it. Maybe, maybe it was a test of her faith. Maybe it was something not because God needed to know, because she needed to know. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers immediately. Sometimes it's for our well-being because we know some of us were talking this, uh, this, this afternoon. I was trying to think when it was where I was talking with somebody about Paul's faith and about the thorn that he had in the flesh and how he prayed three times for it, and yet God chose not to answer that prayer because God knew. God knew that Paul was better off to keep that thorn than he was if removed it. It wasn't because God couldn't. But you know what? After Paul consistently pleaded with that, he did get an answer from God. And the answer wasn't that he took the thorn away. The answer was that Paul came to understand why God left that thorn there and didn't take it away because God knew, or Paul knew, that if God had done it, his pride would have got the best of him. <laughs> He needed that in his life to keep him in the place of humility that he needed to be. Maybe he could start thinking, huh, he's some kind of special guy. <laughs> no. Paul said, you know, God knew this was here. God's chosen not to remove it. God's chosen to leave that in my life. Then, folks, our faith, we shouldn't be less persistent just because that we don't see God answer it immediately when we pray. Maybe. Maybe God's timing is not our timing. Maybe it's something because it's not God's perfect will and God wants what best will. You ever had your children come to you and ask you for something that you knew? Oh, man, this is going to be bad for them. <laughs> you knew. You knew they wanted it. I mean, they're crying for it. They're begging for it. I hope you didn't let them pitch tantrums for it. But the thing is, you know. You see, God does know. God loves you. I can't tell you why, but I'm saying this. It's never because of an inability on God's part. He answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. <laughs> disciples just wanted to get rid of her. <laughs> they didn't like this at all. Who knows why? The Bible doesn't teach us all these things, but we know that they didn't want to be bothered with this lady and her problems and her troubles. I'm afraid there's many that come into the church today, and they come in. They come in because they need to plead to the only one that can help them. And yet, so many times, so many times, the very people that already know God, they have no time for them. They don't want to get involved in their problems. They just say, man, send this woman away because she just keeps crying after us. She keeps pleading. She's being so persistent. We find that so many times, so many times when we're praying and we know that God's there, those looking at us may look and say, man, why do they keep praying for that? Why do they keep asking for that same thing? I'm saying a great faith. A great faith doesn't cease because we don't get an immediate answer. And a great faith doesn't cease because God's people don't understand and can't be bothered. 
Our faith is in God. It's not in man. It's not in people. Verse 24, but he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Christ was speaking to them here. I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You see, Christ was called. He was, even as this woman had prayed, thou son of David. Israel had a very special place in that ministry, but he wasn't called just to the nation of Israel. He was called to the Gentiles as well, and we see that this woman didn't fit the bill. <laughs> hey, that's not one of the ones that God would care about. Look at this person. Look who they are. Look where they come from. Look at their ancestry. Look at their abilities. People are so judged so many times by all kind of things. She was being judged. But Jesus said, hey, I wasn't sent just for you. I wasn't sent just for the house of Israel. We find that he was sent for so many of us. John 3.16 is whosoever, whosoever believes on him. That's who that he came for. Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. We looked at that passage earlier today. We find so many places in the Bible. I'm saying to you that so many times we need to have a persistent faith, even when those around may think that you don't deserve this. You're praying to God and you're asking him for that? You don't deserve that. Look at who you are. Look at where you come from. What gives you the audacity to think that God cares about that in your life? So many people, even though one is pleading to the Lord, we need a persistent faith. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I know nobody else thinks I should be here. Everybody else knows I don't, I don't, I don't deserve this. Lord, Lord, I've been asking, and I haven't heard you answer to me yet, but Lord, please, help me. Help me. I think that she knew that she was in the only place that she could get help, and she, she believed that the Lord could help her. She's pleading with him here again, even in the sight of all this discouragement around her. Lord, help me. Verse 26, but he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Ben, first time I read, I said, what in the world? That's Jesus talking. <laughs> I mean, first of all, he's taken up for, you know, look, guys, I didn't come just for you. I came for these others out here as well. But the first thing he says to her was, Lord, are you saying this to me? It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. You see, what's he talking about? She was a Gentile. The Gentiles to the Jews were literally dogs. They were that low. The Gentiles were dogs. Why was, why was Jesus saying that to her in that way? I mean, I looked and I scratched that. Well, I know that, you know, he just got to say he, he, he came for them and he came down. Why is he turning around to this woman now and he's saying to her, well, why should I take something from these over here in order to meet your need? Look at who you are. I think sometimes that, you know, when the Lord begins to come back at us, sometimes we have to realize that, it's not the Lord at all. It's 
Oh, Satan trying to get us to win. None of us are worthy. I think Jesus is testing her here. He didn't just immediately do what she asked, but I'm saying to you, he's not yet got to the point where he tells her what a great faith that she's got. I'm saying in the fact that when she didn't even think that her prayer was being answered, she wasn't hearing anything, when those around her were scorning her and, 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 and making fun and didn't believe that she deserved to have her prayers answered, even when she was hearing, well, why should I answer this prayer for you? I'm saying that she remained persistent in her faith. She still believed. Says, And she said, truth, Lord. Yes, I know that's true, Lord. <laughs> I know I don't deserve it. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Lord, <laughs> I'm not asking for anything that I deserve, but well, I know that even a crumb for you will be sufficient. I know. I'm not saying that I'm as good as those other people, that I deserve anything that those other people deserve. But, Lord, I do know. I know that even, even the crumb from you is what, is what I need. I'm saying to you, this woman that had her faith declared as great, first of all, her faith, I believe that great faith is a simple faith. She believed that Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was the one that could answer her, her prayer. She went to him. She pleaded with him. She asked him in the light of that. Others tried to discourage her, and others wanted to get rid of her. She had so many things she didn't see. She didn't hear the, the answer coming right away. She's reminded that she doesn't deserve anything from where she is. You know, after all these years of praying, I've heard it said many times, there's, there, there, there's so many things to think about because, you see, there shouldn't be such conscious sin in your life that when you need to speak to the Lord, you've got to get things sorted out before you can even talk to Him. When the Bible talks about us praying always, always being in that, I said before, it, it, it's kind of like, and I, I you know, I think of it in, the, in these simple terms. <laughs> it's kind of like those of you that are married, you'll understand, and if you're not, maybe you will someday. Maybe you've seen it somewhere else. But guess what? Husbands and wives aren't always 100% all the time completely in tune and unified on every choice and every decision that's made. I know that's hard to believe, but it's true. The problem is sometimes is that in those disagreements, sometimes little wedges. One of the things that I, when I counsel every couple before that they're married is, is you know, be careful the words you say. Because I don't care how hard you try, you can never really take it back. When you've said it, you've said it. And you need to realize the power of words. God created the universe with words that he spoke. We find that, you know, we, we, we have those little sayings as a kid, you know, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's about as far from the truth as is possible. Words can hurt deeply. What I'm saying is this. There are those times when we're still husband and wife. Our relationship is still there. But something has happened. We've had a disagreement. We don't have fights. We have disagreements. And everything is not as harmonious and loving as it should be. Well, the truth is, is we may need to have a serious conversation about something. But it might be that before I can even get to that point, 
I've got to go saying, honey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted that way. I shouldn't have done this. Whatever it is, before that we can get on to what that serious conversation is, because things aren't as they ought to be. Too many times in our Christian life, you see, you can't change your relationship with God. Once you belong to Him, you belong to Him. You are His child. There is no question about that. But you can let things get into that relationship, and it's called S-I-N, sin. It might be big, it might be little, but that's what breaks that harmony. That's what separates you. You see, you're walking down through there as husband and wife, kind of like that praying always. We ought to be walking down through there hand in hand with the Lord. When something comes along we need to speak to him about, we ought not to have to get a whole bunch of stuff straightened out. We ought to be hand in hand and just be able to look over at him and speak to him. Lord, this is what I need. Not because we deserve it. Even Jesus was reminding, what makes you think that you deserve anything from me? I don't care how many times I pray. I can't go to the Lord demanding that he do this because I've been such a good guy. Because I've been such a great Christian. The truth is, every time I go to the Lord in prayer, I know I don't deserve to ask him anything to do in my life. I know that. I know that. And I'm saying that our faith needs to be persistent. I know that. But I also know that because of what Jesus did for me, that I can go to him in Jesus. He's my mediator because of Jesus. How do we come humbly before the Lord and at the same time come boldly before the throne? We come humbly in ourselves. We come boldly in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, I can go to God with anything and know that he will hear me because of who Jesus is, not because I deserve it. This woman didn't deserve it, but yet her faith was a faith that went straight, straight to the feet of Jesus. That's where she made her plea. She went to the one that could make the difference. Do you really believe that Jesus is the one that makes a difference? A great faith will go straight to him, and he's the one that she'll deal with it. And a great faith is a persistent faith that even when everybody else thinks you don't deserve it, when everybody else thinks you're being a pest, when you don't think that you deserve it yourself, you keep going to the Lord. Well, Lord, I know I don't deserve it. But even just a crumb from your table, that'll make all the difference in the world. Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. Folks, we've preached a lot of messages on faith over the years and on prayer. And this isn't meant to be an all of end all. I'm, I'm just wanting to remind you of a simple thing. The power. The power in our lives. The power in our church. The power that will get things accomplished. The things that will happen that will give him the glory and all of the glory and not you and not me and not anybody else is going to begin on our knees pleading with the one that can truly make the difference and persisting with him even when we know we don't deserve it, even when nobody else thinks we deserve it. We're pleading with him because we know that he cares and we know that Jesus is the one that's promised to be there for us. I'm talking about a faith that's not based on your feelings. It's not based on your emotions. It's not based on any of these things. If you've got sin in your life, deal with it because that will separate you. But you never, 
as we've been looking at on Sunday mornings. Praise God. God's preparing a place for you in heaven. But he's preparing a people for heaven, praise God. A perfectly prepared place for a perfectly prepared people. And God's work will be real and it will be genuine. And that day he will take that vile body, he says, and he'll change it into a body just like the gracious body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ, that glorified body. You'll never, ever, ever, You'll never be everything that you need to be to go to God. But you can go to Him in Jesus if you really believe that your position before God is based on Jesus Christ and who He is. You see, it was then that He could look to her and He said, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. Yes, I'm going to answer that prayer for you. I'm going to do that for you. You see, that was a prevailing faith. It was a pleading faith. It was a persistent faith. But it was a prevailing faith. It was a faith that because she was persistent with the one that could make the difference, she didn't give up on her praying because she didn't get it when she first asked for it, because she didn't get the answer that she wanted to hear right then. She knew she was in the right place. She knew she was pleading with the right one, and she continued to plead with him. When he and everybody else around her was testing her faith in all kinds of ways, she continued with a faith to him. And Jesus said, woman, you've got a great faith. A lot of people would have got their feelings hurt. A lot of people would have thrown up their hands because it wasn't done the moment that they wanted it done. You see, and her daughter was made whole from that very hour. God did this tremendous work in her life. And then notice just in those next verses in closing, after that happened, Jesus departed from thence and came nigh into the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. He went and got alone with God. Jesus himself knew that there was times that even he needed that quiet time with his father. He goes on then and he says, And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. You know, it's interesting. Do you notice the terminology? Now, we know that Jesus was God. They knew that Jesus was the one that could make the difference. Jesus was the one that was healing them there, and yet they still, they glorified the God of Israel. They glorified the God of Israel that Jesus certainly represented, but they knew it was God. You see, folks, if it's done through your hands or if it's done through somebody else's hands, even when it was done through the hands of Jesus, God gets the glory. In God's work, God did that which no man could take credit for. I'm, I'm just simple-minded enough to still believe that that's the same God that we've got today. I believe that we can have the same kind of great faith that she had here. These people were praising God because of what they saw God doing in these other people's lives. How many people are praising God around us and giving Him the glory and recognizing who He is and what He's doing because of what they see God doing in our lives? They don't need to think we're great. 
They don't need to think we're special. Just like this one here, they can think that you're the dogs of the earth if they want to. What they do need is to see God doing what God alone can do. Your faith. Don't let it be deterred by man. Don't let it be deterred by time and because things aren't coming at the time that you want them to and the way that you want them to. Great faith is knowing there's only one place to go. Jesus Christ is the only access that we have. And though none of us deserve it, do we really believe that we can go boldly before the throne because of who Jesus is? God can do things in our lives and in our church. God can do things that only He can get the glory for. And that's the way it should be, folks. And so I want to encourage you, over these next months even as we are apart, I'm going to pray. Because I think one of the best things in the world is that you can see God working in phenomenal ways when me not here, without me being here. It doesn't matter who's standing in this pulpit as long as they're preaching the message that God wants them to preach. It doesn't matter what man that it is as long as it's God's man and God's will. We have all these different ideas. I want to see God do phenomenal things to where that we can know, hey, God's working in our midst. God's doing these things. And I want you to pray persistently, believing, pleading to God that while we're traveling all of those miles from church to church to church, please pray that God will work in those meetings in such a way. I don't want them to think I'm the greatest preacher that ever preached or some phenomenal missionary. I want them to know how great the God is that I serve. I want them to know that God is the one that's doing something. You please pray to that end that they'll see God's hand at work, that they'll see God's hand at work back here in this place, and they'll know that God is doing something special. Prayer, prayer. We're going to try to stay in touch I'm going to, we, we were talking last night with, 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 with no, it wasn't it Friday night. I'm losing track of days. I'm not surprised. With, with, with Peter and Malcolm, that, you know, God willing, you know, we're going to send updates by, by email and things like that to you all so you can know where we are and how to be praying for us and all of that. And I want updates on what God's doing here so that we can all stay in touch with each other over these weeks. But at the same time, we know that really it's all in God's hands. And I want to know that God's doing special things here and there. And the greatest thing that we can do for each other, pray for each other. Pray for us there. Pray for the church here. You know, I guess one of my great fears is because I've seen the devil's handiwork. <laughs> I've seen how he'll try to weasel his way in anywhere, and it's shocking sometimes where he can get in. Pray for the unity here and for God's hand to be on this place. Pray for God to use us there. So that when we come back together, we'll both be able to praise God and say, look what God has done. Because he's the only one that's going to do anything that really, really matters. That's what I want for you. And even though we're going to, God willing, be together still next Sunday morning, I want to leave you those simple thoughts tonight. We've looked the last three Sunday evenings. We've been looking at a film on prayer. We've been trying to focus the importance of prayer and what it can do. That's why I thought that tonight, that's really, I just really wanted to be able to remind you what it is, what it is, the great faith, great faith, not to impress people, even when people think 
that you don't need anything and you don't deserve anything. Your faith is in the one that matters. He's the one that you're taking it to. You stay on your face before him and you persist with him and you know, you know that if you're praying and your heart's right with him, it's his will that you want accomplished above your own and above anything else. Take it to him. Trust him. Keep praying that way. And I promise you, I promise you that when we see you again in a few months, that we'll be able to praise God and share in the wonderful things that he's been doing. Father, thank you this evening, Lord, that uh, we truly can know that, Lord, there's so many, so many places we could look in the Bible that so many things that we could say about prayer. But, Lord, just the simplicity of this account in your word that shows us, Lord, what true prayer can bring about. When we've got the faith, to know who we're taking our needs to, but that he's the one, and that we can persist even in the face of all the, all the tests and all the trials and all the things that are going on around us, we persist to know that the answer lies with you. Lord, I pray that you would just help and work in our lives to where you can receive great glory and great honor for what you're going to accomplish. But help us be a humble people on our knees that boldly will come before your throne in Jesus Christ, knowing what he can do. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.